Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be going over my scouting strategy as we head into the 2023 deer season. Alright, what's going on everyone? Again, welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in as always. So this episode, you know, we're basically at the, you know, at the very edge of the start of the 2023 uh, deer archery season here for Michigan. I know some of the other states have already gotten started, uh, but for here, we've got about another week to go. And I mean, it's going to be go time essentially. So, so basically, you know, with this episode, I wanted to touch base on some of the things that I do in regards to my scouting routine when it comes to deer hunting. You know, certainly starting out, I, I wasn't very good at it. I, I struggled to really find good spots. You know, I'd find an area that seemed like, you know, I would think would be good and had, you know, maybe a deer trail on it and that's probably hunted. And of course, you know, no surprise there. I had very little success with it. You know, I would you know, get some trail camera pictures on the, on the few areas I did run cameras on in the past. You know, most of the deer were either nocturnal or, you know, they were just areas that I, di- I didn't plan out very well of, you know, high concentration of deer movement. I didn't plan out my routes all that well for entry and exit routes. And just, I just struggled. You know, as, it, as I progressed further and further, doing it more and more every year, you know, I eventually started to pick up on a lot of things that I either just wouldn't see or had some, you know, predetermined, you know, thoughts on what I thought I was seeing or how the deer were utilizing the landscape. You know, basically, I mean, I will say this, I'm not a fast learner when it comes to scouting and learning, you know, what deer do and how they're utilizing the, the landscape. So a lot of times I have to revisit or really, you know, basically kind of build that up and as i've gone over the few years of really diving into heavy heavy scouting and scouting more often and just you know being out in the woods more and just really just scouting all the time really or be looking at you know aerial maps or you know just thinking about uh previous places i've hunted that have you know maybe i didn't quite figure out so so this uh, episode, I wanted to really kind of just cover my thought process when it comes to uh, the scouting and how I pick my locations where I want to hunt and, you know, when I decide that a spot's no good or if I need to, you know, dive in a little bit deeper and figure a spot out a little bit more in depth. So on this episode, we're going to be looking at a couple of uh, maps of some areas that I have scouted and hunted in the past. I'm going to kind of break those down, kind of my thought process in approaching those properties and kind of the things I've learned and some of the things I've and observed in those areas as to why they're either good spots or not. But before we get into the the mapping and the scouting breakdown, you know, I do want to highlight again that you know, again, we've just released the new website, so it's mihuntingpodcast.com. Go ahead and check it out. Um, you know, basically, is a combination of all the content that I uh, put together for MI Hunting Podcast. So you'll have every, you'll have access to all of the podcasts as well as any of the videos that I produce as well. 
We're adding some additional features. We'll be doing some articles, a breakdown of some of this uh, kind of the things that we've been going or been doing here and, you know, kind of diving into some, you know, some topics a little more in detail and if you'll you know talk to us through a little bit more as well we're gonna have a monthly newsletter that will start out uh, starting in october where basically it's gonna just highlight some you know conservation news type stuff some things for you know to keep in mind recipes again a few stories that we'll add in anything that we really have that um, just kind of a quick reminder or just kind of get get you in the know of some of the things that are going on for the month really we do have a store open as well, so we do have some items that are available for purchase. Uh, these are some local wear items that you know I've worked pretty hard on making sure that they're good quality uh, products and that the local wear um, is up to snuff, or at least for quality that I would be something that I would be interested in, you know, purchasing and wearing. So as you see, I've got one of the shirts on now. Again, we've got several different colors available uh, for different, you know, for whatever you're. Whatever suits your fancy, we've got t-shirt, long sleeve shirt, hoodie. I do have these hats available as well. Uh, you know, these are Richardson uh, 112 hats with a heat pressed leather patch on them, which are, you know, pretty comfortable. You know, Richardson hats are probably one of my favorites in regards to comfort to wear. And then added the, the pretty cool, uh, you know, etched leather patch on there. Uh, I'm pretty happy with them. And certainly be on the lookout for more items coming up. You know, I do have some other designs that I have in mind that, you know, hopefully will be in production soon or be added to the store as well. Um, some, so other things outside just the logo wear. Uh, so there'll be some you know, kind of unique shirt designs or stickers and whatnot that'll be available as well. And also, if you want to support the show more directly, you become a member membership where you will, again, support the show directly, enabling me to be continued on with, you know, producing more content and you'll make some additional investments to make the show even better and to, you know, expand on what uh, content is available as well. So, and outside of that, your membership also grant you access to a uh, monthly live show that we'll be doing as well as you'll get, you'll get a uh, discount on everything that's sold in the store uh, for the life of your membership. You'll get exclusive members only giveaways. And as a member, you'll get a free gift as well, just for signing up. So that's it for the plugs. So let's go ahead and get into uh, talking about these mapping or talking about these areas of you know interest. So basically what we're going to start out with is we've got, um, we only have essentially three areas. One area is an area that I've hunted before and had uh, basically scouted additionally uh, and learned basically from, from last year. We got another spot that I scouted some and didn't really, uh, you know, hunted nearby, but didn't hunt in the exact area where I scouted this year. And then thirdly is a brand new spot that I've never hunted before that I just explored just this year. So let's go ahead and get into those areas. Again, we're going to start out with one that I've had experience with before and kind of what I've, you know, learned as, as basically the uh, second year into it. Um, of hunting this area. All right, so this is the first of the three spots. Now, this is an area that I had hunted before, probably, well, I've hunted now for about two years now. And basically, I hunted further north up here in some of this thicker cover. There's an old, uh, you know, clear cut there, and then some pines, and then basically some overgrown, uh, you know, undergrowth or understory, a bunch of popple. 
and miscellaneous uh, mature trees as well. So basically what I did was I, you know, basically on my way out one time, just started scouting my way out and came across further south, this little bit of an opening that had some, you know, basically it had been logged long ago and it's got some more mature uh, oaks growing in as well as a bunch of, you know, under, you know, understory, basically ferns that are growing in here. And I noticed that on um, part of my walk in and out is that there were several spots of where it looked like there had been bedding and uh, a lot of trails basically moving from east to west here on the property. So basically I started scouting this area again, starting out with the mapping area and just started mapping out different trails that were a lot of them were moving from north to south, but then also there were several that were running from east to west as well. So pulled up the mapping area. And again, one of the first things I like to do is kind of look at the terrain. So, um, you know, right off the get go, you can see that there's a bunch of thick timber on either sides of the property. And then essentially through this area is intermittent, you know, matured trees as well as, uh, again, the ferns. Now with that alone, you know, it's not too, uh, doesn't really stand out all that much other than the fact that there is that uh, significant amount of, uh, you know, cover to the West. And now that area is actually fenced off to where I can't actually hunt that area. So, you know, again, it's one of those things that kind of stands out as a potential, um, you know, sanctuary area where deer are going to feel comfortable in there because they know they're not going to get much pressure in there. <clears throat> so it comes down to starting to break down where the, uh, you know, deer are going to come from or where they're going to be going. And, and basically in part of my boots on the ground, uh, scouting, I did find a patch of, um, so a, basically a patch of white oaks that were a vast majority of them were developing or, you know, dropping acorns. So right in this patch here, there's a significant patch of the white oaks. Again, a lot of them were dropping mass amounts of acorns. And then all basically to the uh, more or less the north, there's a bunch of immature oak trees that definitely showed a bunch of browse where you could see that deer were coming in here. So the other thing I'm looking at is when a lot of times when it comes to uh, the terrain. So we basically show that there's a, you know, a patch of kind of an old clear cut and a food source. You know, there's no significant water anywhere in this area other than there are some retention ponds further north, but water is an issue in this location. So the next thing I look at quite often is looking at the contour lines or seeing where there's elevation differences. And they are somewhat hard to see here, but there is a basically a funnel where there's high ground on either side of this area. And then there's a little bit of a valley through the central part of this area where the deer kind of funnel up into where these white oaks are. So during the course of running trail cameras um, on this oak, oak little patch here, did have significant number of deer that were in here um, a lot of does and fawns that were going in there. And then also the bucks started showing up again, that mid October, you know, time frame, uh, especially when some of those acorns were really, um, started to get cleaned up a little bit from the deer uh, that were coming in here. So I, I came across this spot late in the season or not, 
late in the season, but I guess about mid-October. So I kind of call it that peak of probably when those acorns were dropping. But there was still enough of them still falling that I was able to at least capitalize on some of that deer movement still. So I set up a camera and set up a mock scrape in the patch of those oaks to try to at least kind of focal uh, any potential buck movement that were coming in that area, you know, kind of meandering around in those oaks flats. So, so I showed that there's significant uh, deer movement because of the, you know, the good food stores with the white oaks. The next spot was, you know, confirming with the, the trail camera to, you know, confirm the type of deer movement that was there, as well as what type of deer were showing up. Basically what I ended up doing was isolating this area a little bit, created that mock scrape as well as the camera, and then looked at areas of opportunity for tree stand locations. So I started out essentially directly south of that patch. So it was basically 20 yards into that patch I could shoot. The issue was, is that it was very limited on the ability to uh, essentially get multiple shot opportunities there's another spot off to the west or off to the east that is just, um, again, just to the east of the, the oak flat. You know, this is an area where a lot of those immature, uh, you know, oak saplings are growing in and where there's a lot of browse. Where it seemed like based on the camera intel that a lot of the bucks were moving more so from the east to west direction and more of the does were traveling to north and south. So a lot of those bucks were coming in from the adjacent property now to the to the east there i don't know exactly where those bucks are exactly living or coming from there's a lot of private property off to the east there and i don't have access to it so i don't know if how far away those bucks actually are or you know basically they're they're that location that's a you know where they're where they actually are bedding so i suspect they're bedding mostly to the east but they could also be here on the west side within that area that is going to be much more secluded and have very little if zero human interference and then the last spot i picked was further north so again this is more you know it's probably about 40 to 60 yards away from that oak flat and it's basically again trying to catch these deer before they make it to that oak flat as well as take advantage of a potentially different wind direction so you know the two parts or two tree stands i have to the south are for more you know again a north wind or wind coming out of the north now this again could be isolated to or could be as wide a range of any wind out of the north could be hunted out of these two locations to the north as you would suspect for anything with a south wind now ideally it's either a directly south wind or wind coming out of the south don't always remember exactly when you say south wind if it means coming out of the south or going south but anything coming out of the south and then also to have you know kind of it coming out of the west so south southwest wind as my uh, avenue of approach is basically walking along the property line along the northeast side to where i can park so the one, so this area is again, has a nice food source available. You have terrain that funnels the deer movement. Access isn't that all that difficult as to the south, about a hundred yards out. There's a main highway that you can park along. And then from the north, it is a bit of a farther walk, 
but you can basically walk into this area with relatively you know low impact especially because this is a long narrow property and again i don't suspect that a lot of the deer are bedding uh, you know within that hunting within that area most of them are bedded on adjacent properties so this makes it ideal for being able to come in here and you know not really you know be stuck in the stand when you know with deer uh, you know, either bedded right on top of you where you can't get down or where they're feeding and they're not going to move out of the area as well. The downfall with it, again, with it being a narrow property that, you know, you're either going to see the deer or, or you're not really, I guess I should say. I mean, uh, you know, it's one of those areas where you have limited access. So if, you know, those bucks that do frequent this area, you know, you're only going to catch up with them in that small window that they're in, you know, on this property. It's very difficult to expand and learn further or be able to, you know, cut the distance on where those deer might be coming from because of the property lines. Uh, but this is just one area that again, you know, started out hunting further north and then it's gradually just kind of relearning an area and finding a focal point of, you know, deer movement and, uh, you know, utilizing some in-season scouting from years past to find a, you know, a pretty hot spot in regards to, you know, the time of the year with those acorns dropping and some of the pre-rut coming in, you know, getting those bucks up on their feet more and venturing out more than their typical, um, you know, feed the bed pattern. Now, so far in this year, I've run a camera and, you know, scouted those oak trees from from that patch they are producing some acorns but certainly not as much as last year so the you know there is a potential that they're not going to have the uh you know it's not going to be as hot of a spot this year as it was last year in regards to just the fact that the food source is going to be a little bit more limited than what it was last year but you know again it's going to be uh you know still I'm still trying to learn a little bit about this spot because of the fact that it's, uh, you know, I didn't really discover this spot, you know, until about mid-October last year anyway. So, so more to come will be for this spot on if it's still going to hold uh, the same type of deer movement patterns or bucks that showed up last year. But it's definitely one of those spots where, again, it's a very small area, very easily overlooked. A lot of the hunters that hunt in this particular area hunt much further to the north where there's a far bigger area to you know kind of look at and you know basically hunt a lot of this further to the north there are some good areas along the edges as well but to the vast majority of the middle it's either clear-cut open field or basically a very 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 thick um, patch of popples that you know, you could hunt the edges, but the idea of trying to get in there to be able to hunt those locations, you know, it'd be very difficult to be able to get in and out uh, without essentially making a ton of noise and spooking a lot of deer. The problem is too, is with it being so thick in there that, you know, the potential for deer movement being kind of sporadic within there is pretty high too. So it'd be really hard to pinpoint exactly where those deer are coming from in that area. The only other spot that I have of interest for this spot is to the southern part of the edge and one kind of part of the L shape of the property. There's a patch of pines here that are running on the 
south side of this clear cut as well as that really thick patch of popples there again is a little tiny valley from the contour lines you know it's basically a little bit lower than the you know where the popples are and it filters down into a lower area down where the pines are and through this little area where there's a tiny bit of patch of clear cut as well there are some areas where there are you know clearly some rub lines have that have you know been historic where there's you know rub line or rubs from past past years as well uh the, again the hard part is really getting in there and then you have basic kind of limited access to be able to uh you know, hunt this in different winds because you you basically have to have a, a, a wind out of the north uh, at all times. And then even with that, uh, you know, with that patch of pines, it's all mature red pine. Uh, there's no significant cover in there. So you really have to be reliant on, you know, the deer travel. I suspect mostly during the pre-rut and rut, you know, you might be able to capitalize on this. But outside of that, you know, those historic rubs don't know if it's, if they're utilizing that during the daytime, there's nothing really other than that significant cover to the north that would suggest why these deer have to go through here or be here on a routine basis. So again, an area that I've kind of highlighted, but not an area where I've, you know, focused a ton of my attention to based on, you know, the, the available, you know, the access routes aren't the easiest getting in and out of there as well as it doesn't have the, you know, kind of multi-tier, multi-tier, uh, you know, kind of a breakdown of the spot where there's multiple things going for it at once. You know, this kind of has this one or two things that aren't really all that convincing in regards to a good spot or not. So I guess that's one thing that I, I guess I kind of neglected to cover before even jumping in these spots. You know, typically what I'm looking at is, you know, especially when I pull up a, a map is where if, you know, I'm looking for a uh, contrast. So if it's a, you know, a very thick patch of woods, is there an opening or is there a bunch of, you know, is there a water source nearby, you know, like a pond or a clear river or creek or something, something that stands out essentially. So the, anything that really catches my eye right out the get go. And then more often than not, the next thing I'm looking at is those contour lines. So I'm looking at the uh, terrain as to elevation differences. You know, are we looking at, are there significant hills? Are there valleys? Are there bowls? Are there low points? Are there ridges? Are there plateaus or benches? Those are, you know, areas of, you know, not necessarily like saying that one terrain feature is better than the other, but I'm looking for that terrain or again, that contrast in, in the terrain to that would either funnel or attract deer movement. And then of course, looking at at those water sources, at those food sources, you know, if you don't have anything that really stands out, so if there's not like an open field or, you know, something like a food plot or, you know, egg field or something like that nearby, you know, looking for that other type of feed, whether it's acorns, soft mass, so apple trees, um, you know, if you're looking at woody browse, so if you're looking for areas that have a lot of, you know, new cessation or new growth from an old clear cut or something along that line, you know, looking for those areas where there's clearly been deer, you know, browsing on woody browse or feeding in those areas. And then the other thing I'm really usually looking at when it comes to the public land areas is I try to, you know, if it looks like an area that's kind of like a no brainer or one that, you know, 
very easily stands out. You know, don't be surprised when you put your boots on the ground that someone else has found that spot as well. So I try to look for areas that are maybe off kind of the beaten path, maybe not the best spot to focus on, but something that has a lot of the same features, a lot of the same, you know, again, those uh, components that are, that you would still look for on those, you know, tier one locations that you can find on a tier two spot that may not have, you know, may not be as, you know, as good of a spot, but it's still pretty darn good in regards to still having a lot of the features that deer are gonna look for. All right, so this is the second location. Now, again, this is an area that I've hunted before, um, a couple years back. And, you know, what caught my attention on this spot is you can see there's some clear areas where there's some, been some clear cutting done. And, you know, that was the focal point of what really drew my attention. So what we've got here is basically this northern uh, clear cut here. It's been there probably for, I honestly, I don't know how long that clear cut has been done, um, but it's been there for several years. So uh, there's a lot of, you know, new growth coming in from the map. You can see that there's a lot of all uh, the smaller, more immature pines that are starting to grow up a little bit. So there's actually quite a few of them in there that are, you know, large enough to be able to, uh, to be able to hunt out of or hang a tree stand out of there's additional clear cut that's you know only within the past three to five years so there's a lot more um, you know smaller plants that are growing in there now a lot of immature oaks and popple in this southern region and then they did leave basically a strip in between the two clear cuts um, you know that strips probably 60 no maybe you know 70 80 yards wide with two significant groups of uh, mature timber uh, on either sides of those uh, clear cuts. Off to the west, we've got a swamp area where they have, you know, basically have logged before and there's kind of a, I guess I would say, where it looks like they planted some old, uh, you know, rye fields or whatnot. It's starting to grow in kind of more of a, um, you know, starting to grow in more and more with different weeds and forbs and, um, you know, briars and whatnot, as well as a bunch of ferns are starting to grow in there. But then again, a, a big old patch of, you know, swampland, where it's just a lot of open grasses and marshland. So this spot uh, initially caught my attention, um, just having that clear cut there. Just the idea that it seemed like, you know, with that, you know, significant cover to the north and those different patches where they, you know, didn't clear cut, that this would be a good spot. Um, basically as a food source for the deer, as well as, uh, you know, diving into the mapping a little bit more. Again, the next big thing is looking at the contours or the elevation differences. The north edge of this clear cut, there's a valley, kind of turns into a bit of a, like a, almost a, a strip of cedar swamp that runs through here. And then also there's a small creek that runs through that cedar swamp that dumps into the more swampland or that marsh further to the west. So we've got food from the clear cut and then we got a water source and then we've got a change in the type of cover that's in the area. So what I had done, you know, that first year of scouting it, I kind of went into it hunting blind. And so what I did was I initially started out on the edge of the clear cut. So I basically hung out on the kind of the northern side of you know this edge 
you know, essentially I had a, uh, you know, wind that came out of the, essentially the Southwest. So I parked off, off the two track to the East, walked down along the edge of the clear cut and found my tree. And that very first sit, I actually had a pretty decent sized buck uh, coming from the clear cut, heading north towards the rest of the timber to, you know, I'm assuming bed down. Again, this is, you know, mid to late October. So I think the first thing I had with him was, uh, I think it was around like October 22nd or something like that. So, you know, it looked very promising that, you know, I caught this buck out cruising. You know, it was probably a good 40 minutes after daylight. And, you know, I had really high hopes that I would be able to catch up with this deer again. Next time through, about four days later, had similar conditions. Uh, so basically I moved to the, a different stand location where I came out originally where this buck had uh, came through and headed into the timber to the north the first time. Sat in that, sat you know, within bow range of that location around the same time, about 15 minutes, probably later than I seen him the first time. What does he do? He comes out probably about 30 yards from the location where I sat originally heading from the cover into the clear cut. <clears throat> so at this point, I'm feeling like I really don't know exactly what this buck's doing, why he flip-flopped what he, you know, his travel route when I had relatively the same conditions from one hunt to the other. You know, basically the, you know, it was a high pressure day, so nice and sunny that morning. Wind direction was relatively the same. Temperature was relatively the same. And, you know, it was certainly one of those things where I figured he would do the same thing, seeing as how I had essentially the same conditions, you know, two hunts in a row. That same season, after that second time of seeing him, noticed that he funneled a lot of his movement down towards a focal point of the clear cut at a focal area where he crosses a two track that leads down into further south of the clear cut. The third hunt, I end up moving into a patch of some mature pine or maturing pine, I guess I to say and try to catch up with him as that focal point kind of that pinches and down some of that movement. Again, same thing when the, it comes to the terrain. We have this little bit of a ridge here. It's a low point on the east side of the clear cut and then a high point here on the, the west end essentially. And he seemed to be using that plateau or the edge of that kind of that ridge there for his movement as he moves south. Ultimately, the buck didn't come within range. Uh, he had to... He actually ended up uh, spotting some does that were, you know, in the area and it was more focused on them and not, you know, getting within bow range of me. So, so ultimately I started scouting some more and looking further south, seeing as how I couldn't figure out or, you know, narrow down a, an area within bow range to be able to ambush them from, from the north side. So I traveled down to the south thinking that he would focus his movements on the southern part of the clear cut where this little pinch point is where the cover is between the two different sections of clear cut and sure enough right on the end of you know basically right smack dab in the middle of this uh, strip there's a bit of a high point and some thick cover between some more immature pines and some denser cover in comparison to more mature um, kind of open wood or open timber area uh, to the east right here and at that, at that point again a change of the terrain 
there were significant rubs and scrapes and definitely what looked like it to be a large body deer that was bedding in this area uh so definitely became a focal point of my scouting or my you know focus uh, where i thought i could ambush the deer unfortunately here's the kicker as you can see from the map you know there's basically a you know this area kind of sticks out as you know what would be considered a an area of focus for a lot of different hunters sure enough you know just to the northwest or northeast i'm sorry of that spot found you know multiple tree stands in the area so a lot of the other hunters you know kind of found this spot as well and you know kind of pinpointed it now i had considered you know basically setting up it within the clear cut you know somewhere around 60 70 yards from this location the problem is is because of how open it is because the clear cut, even those few trees that you could set up a tree stand with you know it's basically all that red pine where you know climbing in and out of a tree stand you can make a lot of noise and very difficult to get in there without being seen you know as you're climbing the tree same thing occurred when trying to ambush them from the south you know same thing you you have to get you know close enough to where you can ambush them but then also those the, the other tree stands are in area you know you're gonna run the risk of you know having some you know hunter interference whether you're interfering with someone else or you know they're interfering with you so again you could you know try to get creative and try to push into the area but with the other hunter pressure in that area already you know it's best to you know kind of take that spot as a loss and move on to a different location essentially so if i couldn't really hunt to the south where there's clearly a lot more hunter pressure in the area i proceeded to look to the north so as we as we get into here again you got the you know the cedar you know creek bottom there and it does rise up to a little bit in different elevation and you have some intermittent pines along with outside of that area more mature timber and just off that clear cut just to the north of that cedar area is an opening where it's you know kind of a I really don't even, don't even know the plants that are growing in there, but they're about like knee-high plants. Definitely some marshy, you know, area. Again, there's some cedars around in the area. You've got different forbs growing in there, and uh, from and all around this area are multiple rubs and scrapes and trails that are traveling, you know, essentially kind of all over from in here. So you got trails going around north and south, east and west, and just you know, deer movement clearly in the area. Even to the north part of this little opening, did find what um, what I have identified as winterberry. So there are some different berries and different food in that area. And again, with that opening, there are some grasses, other things that are clearly being you know grown in there and being browsed on by deer. So you know it's kind of that food source off the main food source that kind of caught my attention. And then the fact that it was further back into the cover, you know, the idea was is that. These deer are going to feel more comfortable being around this little opening than they were to be able to come out to the larger clear cut. And then also the size of this opening is small enough where, you know, you're not going to run into like that larger clear cut of having just a vast array of area to cover and a ton of edge that, you know, these deer could be coming in and out of. So set up a camera. And, you know, basically it was this time in the season where, you know, I, 
you know, I scoured it, but I didn't know exactly how to get in here without disrupting a lot of the deer movement. So I ultimately didn't hunt this location last year and just let, kind of let my camera soak and, you know, gather intel. So ended up, uh, you know, the, during the course of the summer or late summer, um, towards the first of September, went back in there to set up a new camera and basically found the same location where I, you know, had set up kind of a my scraping again, turned around to go set up my camera. And wouldn't you know, my camera from last year, I clearly had forgotten about it, was still on the tree, uh, you know, basically over the course of all winter long, as well as throughout the summer. So, you know, it was, it was kind of surprising coming across that. And wouldn't you know it, pull up the camera and it, it was able to take pictures. The battery life lasted long enough where I had pictures all the way from, you know, from essentially November or mid-November all the way up until June of this year before the camera finally died and stopped taking pictures. So was able to dive in and look at a lot of intel even throughout the course of the late season. And wouldn't you know, again, kind of what I suspected, the deer feel very comfortable moving in that area. There was a ton of daylight, you know, movement from does to bucks. Uh, there's even a couple of them that were surprisingly where uh, one very big, big body deer that had, you know, he had a pretty decent rack, wasn't huge, but the size of the deer body wise indicates that he's definitely an older class deer, which really got my attention. As well as looking at throughout the course of the springtime after the snowfall or after the snow melt, you know, this this area actually completely floods out where, where I had my mock scrape during the fall time was actually partly underwater um, for a good two, three months. You know, that snow or that, you know, that area really didn't start to dry out to about middle to end of May when finally there was some dry ground again, you know, in that area where I had originally put my camera. So went out there, um, you'll let that camera soak for about a month. And I just went out there just this week and sure enough, got, you know, again, not too surprisingly, a bunch of pictures of does, you know, morning, evening, night, middle of the day, just an area where they feel really comfortable being back here in this denser cover where there's not a lot of people that are focusing or tromp around this area. They feel very safe and secure in here. And again, even more surprising or more, not necessarily surprising, but I'm happy to see that I do have a picture of a nice mature buck um, that again, you know, basically I believe the time was at like 4.30, somewhere between 4.30 and 5 o'clock, he showed up on camera in this area. So he clearly, you know, doesn't live too far away. Um, you know, the fact that he's, you know, just barely, or that is well within daylight and he's up on his feet moving around back here. So, so that's, you know, an area that again, you know, kind of had on my radar. It does have some good features where you know i definitely knew that the that main clear cut was the big food source but i couldn't really figure out how to narrow down on the buck movement so i went from kind of what i knew and explored into what i didn't know so basically looking at the further south again plenty of uh, intel that was suggested that's where you know you could ambush a buck or hunt but the problem is too when it comes to public land, you're looking at a lot of other people have found the same spot as well. So looking the other direction, 
again, found a spot that's going to be more secluded, not nearly as well known or not you know, targeted by other hunters, and that the intel does suggest that there are deer that are you know, in the area, feel comfortable in there. But then the next stop was really trying to figure out, you know, now that I got the intel that suggests, you know, that the deer are there, the, the next thing was is trying to figure out my access to get in and out. So ultimately what I've decided to do is to utilize part of that cedar lowland area. So coming off a two track to the east, diving into just inside the wood line, traveling along that cedar swamp, a little, little cedar stretch there. You know, basically utilizing that is because it is mostly mature cedars where it's kind of wide open. The ground's soft, lots of mar moss and whatnot, so I can sneak in there and not make a bunch of noise. And then kind of take a beeline to the tree stand I have set up within bow range of a mock scrape and the camera, as well as the opening. The vast majority of the traffic is trying basically moving diagonal along with my access route more or less moving east to west, moving kind of diagonal along paralleling how that cedar swamp runs. So again, primarily for wind direction, you know, I really want to look at something that's coming out of, you know, essentially the north to, you know, the west, or, you know, the best case scenario would be something that would be directly out of the west, blowing my scent back to the direction where I came from for my exit for my entry route. All right, on to the last and final spot. Again, you know, looking at the map, there's really only one thing that really stands out and that looks like you've got a couple of ponds here. So that's what I had to key in on my, you know, my interest of the area, the fact that there was a significant water source there. The next part I noticed is that on the pond to the north, there's a little tiny peninsula that comes out and a point that comes out to the from the north as well and it looks like it could be potential for a you know a water crossing or a, an area where there's the deer could use utilize that to be able to cross you know between the ponds without having to go all the way around the next spot or next thing i'm really looking at is how those contour lines on the map you know focal that those that deer movement as well so looking at the map on the west side there's a significant ridge and a plateau and down to that peninsula, you can see there's a gradual, you know, decline in down towards where the pond is. And then on the, you know, on the east and north side of the pond, there again, it gains elevation, but certainly not nearly as deep as on the west side. And then to the south, there is another pond where a trail kind of cuts through in between the two. Same thing, west side of the pond, a higher elevation. And then on the east side, more subtle, you know, drop in the, in the terrain. So again, you know, got a focal point, got a good water source. Terrain seems to could potentially funnel movement. Time to get boots on ground. And within the area, lots and lots of deer sign. No, no surprise down through this peninsula, multiple trails where there's rubs that are clearly traveling north and south. Come up to that point in between the two peninsulas, clearly a couple areas where deer are 
you know, using that as a water crossing. You know, essentially on this pond area, the little strip that's to the east is kind of a floating marsh. You know, there's it looks like it's all grass, but if you walk on it, you're you're gonna get your feet wet. You're gonna feel the squishy water underneath it, and there's a little tiny, tiny like eight inch wide little creek that runs through there, draining into the larger pond area um, to the west. Looking for the further north, basically scouting around the pond. Lots of deer trails that again travel you know around you know all around the basically the pond really so a lot of them are traveling north and south along the outside edges of the pond on the west side you've got two main trails you got one lower next to the pond and then one about halfway up on a little bit of a transition or a little bit of a bench area where you're still not on the topeka of the hill yet but you've got basically a flat area where the the slope of the hill kind of or levels off a little bit and then proceeds to go up the rest of the hill again a main trail that runs off of that basically that side hill you know technique that you know i've seen deer utilize before and then further to the north again as you follow those terrain features that just follow those contour lines the deer are moving to the north as well and then there is another main road to the north as well through here, a lot of mature timber, a lot of pine, mature maples, um, basically a lot of this open timber further to the north there. Again, same thing, set up a camera on this water crossing, you know, knowing that that's a bit of a focal point um, for the movement, uh, you know, kind of, you know, it's not necessarily where I saw the vast majority of the deer sign, but just knowing that that could be a pinch point area or an area of interest when it came to uh, potentially ambushing a deer or setting up a hunting spot now, ultimately there was no real good trees to be able to you know set up for like a tree stand location or um i mean you could hunt from the ground from that you know within that little peninsula area the hard part is again is setting up an area where you've got a good enough vantage point where you can still shoot because uh, there is some you know undergrowth around the edges of those ponds um, that if you're sitting down and whatnot, you know, you, you may not get a clear shot at the vitals for the deer. So looking at the spot, kind of pinpointing an area off to the east on the opposite side of that small strip of the pond, um, looking at that, you know, looking at that pinch point or that crossing area, you know, ultimately that's about 70 to 80 yards across. So again, not necessarily good for bow range, but you know, if you were to hunt this spot or if I were to consider hunting this spot for rifle season or even like muzzle or something like that, you'd have a nice clear vantage as deer are crossing through here. And again, once the, uh, you know, leaves fall off the trees, you could be able to see deer approaching from the north as well as walking down that peninsula from the south as well. So you could anticipate the deer movement and, you know, capitalize on, you know, catching them at that crossing. So ran the cameras here for about two months though, so far. You know, the first get-go, you know, did show promising results where, you know, there was definitely a lot of does that were kind of cruising here. You could actually see them feeding in between uh, those patches there where some of that you know, grass or whatever they're eating was growing in. A nice two-year-old buck was kind of hanging out there as well, utilizing that. Caught one time where a, caught in two different look, situations where definitely a mature buck was using, utilizing that crossing. Unfortunately, it was at night and he didn't dilly-dally and spend much time there. 
basically coming from the south, moving to the north, and you know quickly cross that area. But I did get you know some at least a good glimpse of them on the camera. Uh, didn't really have enough to where I could really analyze you know exactly what the buck or how many points he had or whatnot but it's definitely a mature buck in that utilize that crossing um you know basically you know with that intel you know it led me to suggest that that mature buck wasn't necessarily living in the area um but basically the fact that he came from the south on two separate occasions means that he's living further south which leads to you know trying to figure out where he's coming from now i haven't been able to explore that south region just yet but it is going to be something that will um you know be on kind of the back burner you know throughout the course of the season as well as you know for my spring scouting for next year to try to determine or get maybe a better idea where he's coming from uh, if ultimately if he's coming from the south again just as just this week pulled the camera again kind of seemed like it was a bit of a dud at this point where a lot of the Cam or a lot of the pictures were ultimately just you know false triggers and whatnot. Uh, did get a couple pictures of what looked like a, a deer, you know, just like the back of it and whatnot. But ultimately, the amount of trail camera footage, you know, basically really slowed down from the last time that I had checked it. So starting to think that maybe this area was a bit of a dud, or at least you know not as promising as I initially thought. So after pulling the camera, you know, kind of walked off to the west to try to check the pond, you know, looking because there's basically a gooks that was, you know, squawking over there. So I figured maybe go check it out. Maybe it could be a good potential, you know, pond or whatnot to do some waterfowl hunting or something like that. And I didn't make it more than, you know, 20, 30 yards heading towards the pond, bedded right on the edge of the pond was... Uh, I think that same two-year-old buck that I caught on the camera before he jumped out of his bed and ran to the south um, So again, you know, it, it was kind of one of those things like You know Kind of reassurance that maybe this spot isn't as bad as I initially thought based on the camera intel so that was a, a bit of a reminder that the Trail cameras don't always tell you the full story. You know that buck was bedded, you know within 30 40 yards of where that camera location was and you know if i'd just gone off the camera if i hadn't decided to walk over to that pond you know it would have looked as if that you know that spot was maybe a bust but again same thing you know kind of that compounding uh you know features that i look for in a spot so we got a you know not necessarily a true you know standout food stores now even though along those pond edges there is a lot of grasses and whatnot a bunch of other things growing in because of that you know good water source there big one is the water and then the terrain that that you know focuses the the movement so you could you know certainly could look at up on top of this ridge here above the pond you know it's an area that i hadn't explored more yet as well or utilizing the terrain feature of those peninsulas funneling funneling deer movement to make it more predictable and again, you know, these are just a few of the spots that I'm kind of focusing on this year. Now, you know, there's certainly other things that you could, you know, pay attention to. You know, everyone has kind of their own thing that they focus on when it comes to their scouting or the areas of interest for them. Uh, again, this is just kind of how my mindset works and, you know, just key in on areas that, you know, has, you know, potential for, uh, you know, increased deer movement, you know, there's certainly, you know, you can hunt anywhere really and run into a deer, run to even a good buck. 
uh, a lot of times what I'm looking at is areas that just, you know, potentially have an increase of the um, likelihood of a deer being in the area or a reason why a deer is there. So looking at something, whether it's food, water, the terrain, and again, looking for something that stands out. You know, I don't know how many times I've gone out and, you know, scouted an area and, you know, it's basically all mature timber. And then you just happen to look off in distance. And you just see a little patch of something that's just a little bit thicker, a little bit denser. Maybe there is a, a, you know, a deadfall or something like that that allowed some undergrowth to come in and you walk up there and there's, you know, deer trails. There might be rubs, there might be a scrape there, or you might even bump a deer out of it. You know, I'll, I'll go off on a little bit of a tangent here. And, you know, another area where I hunt, um, you know, in a different county where, you know, it's a lot of mature timber, mainly utilizing terrain. It's kind of more hill country. And, you know, I basically was looking at this area and trying to figure it out in regards to, you know, hunting and kind of doing some still hunting and whatnot. And, you know, if you look at the area, you know, as is kind of up on top of this ridge, it looks like there's basically really nothing there or there's no movement. Little tiny patch of cedars. I mean, this thing is probably like 20 by 30, you know, in area. And, you know, basically as I started approaching it, thinking maybe there might be something bending in there, maybe I can see where the earth had been feeding in there somewhere on that line. Sure enough, bump, you know, a group of does out of that little patch. You know, ultimately, you know, it's just a little tiny valley, all mature timber. I mean, you can see the whole valley except for this little patch of cedars in there. As you walk up, there's a, just a group of deer in there. You know, I always kind of chalk that up to the same as like when you're fishing, you know, especially for like bass or something like that, where you're looking for, you're looking for something that stands out, whether it's, you know, a thick punch of cover you know, or like, you know, something that just stands out, you know, is it a drop off, you know, with a, with a weed bed, is it a submerged tree, is it a rock bed, something like that, something that stands out that just kind of focals that movement, you know, I don't know how many times either too, where, you know, just looking at, uh, even just it may not have a change in the, tr or a change in the cover. You might have an area that, you know, relatively all the same, you know, maybe some, a little bit understory, a lot of mature trees and you look over and there's just a little tiny ditch or a little tiny, you know, bench or ridge. Um, you know, maybe not even has to be anything more than like maybe 10 feet, you know, higher than what you're already at. But if you get over there, you know, more often than not, you'll see that, does that change in the the elevation for whatever reason focal you know focuses those deer move in that area whether they like having the high ground or if they like feeling that little seclusion of being a little bit lower than everything where they're when they're not standing out whatever the case is you know always i'm always looking for something that you know sticks out or is a little bit different than the surrounding area now sometimes i've gone to areas like that and it's not what the map you know, makes it appear as though, and then other times, you know, it, it looks good, but the deer just aren't there for, you know, they're missing some component that they're just, they don't have the reason to have to go through that area or be in that area. So, so a lot of times, you know, it's kind of a hit or miss when it comes to an area that you scout out on the map. But then if you look back or if you get boots on ground, you can either, you know, determine that if it's an area that is an area of interest or does have deer movement. And if it doesn't have quite what you're looking for, you can follow whatever sign is in that area. 
you know, follow it out, you know, kind of expand that search area and see if you can find a higher concentration somewhere elsewhere or figure out where the deer are going or where they're coming from and try to focus in on that. And again, you know, this is just my, you know, how I approach it. You know, again, you might have your own, you know, way of doing it or things that you focus on, you know, whether it's, whether you're focused on simply terrain or water sources or those food sources, you know, however you prioritize, uh, you know, the features of the landscape to, you know, find, find deer that you're looking for. You know, the big thing is, you know, don't, I would say is for me, it's always trying to find those areas of the highest concentration for the highest probability of, you know, capitalizing on, you know, where the deer are and the availability to be able to hunt them. So that's it for these, uh, locations. Again, hopefully you found it helpful, you know, regardless of what type of scouting you do, uh, in regards to the e-scouting, you know, there's lots of different apps out there. You know, I've tried them all. I've tried Onyx, uh, HuntStand, HuntWise, um, the, the app that I'm currently using for this uh, podcast is Spartan Forge is a new one I've tried out this year. Really good features. Kind of the one that I like the best on this regard is their uh, 3D mapping. It's one of the best I've seen out of the different types of apps. You know, I can pull it up here and change the, the view of it. So you can see a kind of a a bird's eye view of the terrain and how those deer may utilize it and just kind of gives me a better idea of the true layout you know sometimes reading the contour map isn't always the easiest to um to really do you know sometimes you, you can't really see exactly how steep a hill is um just looking at the contour line so by switching it over to 3d mapping you can kind of get a better layout of how you know, the steepness of hills, or you can follow along that, you know, you know, down that point or down that ridge and be able to, you know, get a, a better understanding of the area itself. But again, started rambling again. So we'll go ahead and wrap this one up again. You know, basically we've got a week left before season starts. So hopefully you've got all your preparations and, and you know, done, you're ready to go. Your bow's tuned up. You've been practicing. You've got your camouflage ready to go your tree stands ready to go um so yeah let's uh let's wrap it up with that and we'll uh we'll be talking to you next week so again as always get out there be safe and have fun